to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Good evening, listener, and welcome to the Big Red Couch. Here in a disturbingly warm Aylesbury, I'm Craig, and in a subarctic New Zealand... That's completely overstating it, but it has been a bit parky lately. Hey, it's Ben. <laughs> I, I, I quite like the idea of the cold weather, if only because I have commented at various times during the week I did not move to England for warm weather, potential sunburn, and blue skies. This was not, as it were, in the brochure. <laughs> well, you're getting it. And, you know, that um, those trade winds... The transatlantic currents do tend to bring balmy weather up to that particular part of the world, even though they're not supposed to have it. Uh. <laughs> yes, these are these are filthy European currents. Soon they will be banned from the country. <laughs> oh dear, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't even know anymore. Can you have a Brexit Atlantic? No, 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 let's not even go there. Unless they go with the the Doctor Who the Doctor Who idea of launching Britain into space, I think. Yeah, I mean, I was wondering if you were going to go with the yeah. They they, they finally decided to settle the Northern Ireland thing by having a customs and physical barrier in the Irish Sea to permanently keep out any mention of the outside world. But I don't see that one. I don't see that one sailing, to be honest. Indeed. Okay. Well, <laughs> we should probably get on with more cheerful. Light-hearted topics, like... <laughs> oh, like the topic for this episode, which is the cheerful and light-hearted suggestion from Thunderstep of The survey team's last contact filled me with elation and dread. Yeah. I may have oversold the light-heartedness of that, to be honest. I, I, I feel like I should have made some sort of correction. Oh, well. All transactions are final, no, no money-back guarantees in some, in some states. Return your bottles for a five-cent deposit, yes. Yes. So this is definitely I th- I think we've we've got a lot of, quite a few people going to this this place of well we've <laughs> we've landed on the alien planet and there's there's a big thing over there which basically says monster dispenser let's run around pushing buttons and I'll I'll meet you by the shuttle when the the countdown starts yeah yeah I suspect I had the same sort of of thought process for that one as you do that. This does kind of set up for for exploration, alien planet, what has happened to the survey team. Yay, they've gotten contact. Oh, God, they've been eaten. Or they're being eaten. Yeah, there's the idea of the, the staticky radio call with the, the choppy sort of voice, the shouting and the screaming and the, the, the chewing and so forth. is very <laughs> much in the front center of our mind. And, you know, it's somewhere between alien aliens... Event Horizon and the comic series they did for Dead Space, which was a fairly hey, we went we went and uh, knocked on a an alien obelisk, and now it's got a cult, and oh goodness, people are growing horrible spines out of their spines and um, so forth. Yep. Oh, I think I played that. You had to stomp heavily on the um, the downed enemies to 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 finish them off and shoot off their limbs. Yeah. And there was like one of the weapons was this kind of weird cut piece of cutting equipment or something. Mm, mm, I, yeah. I don't think I got very far into it, but that mostly describes me with 
every form of electronic game known to man, so... Yeah, yeah it was definitely a very effective horror piece, and they had a couple of sequels which got more um, microtransaction-y, let's say. Um, I've actually uh. got the like a comic series that came... Was they, they tried to launch an entire franchise into the whole multimedia-like thing that was like a cartoon and a comic and uh. so forth. And it, they also went... And that was one of those times that it's probably EA, because EA do this a lot. <laughs> if we'd, right, if we put all our marketing drive behind this very niche space horror thing, it will work exactly like all of our big war shooters and we'll make lots of money. Nope. Oh, it did, that didn't work. Okay, horror is useless. We will never make another horror game. <laughs> or we'll water it down by doing weird things. So, mm. I think the Dead Space comic, the arts, uh, Ben Templesmith. Huh. Yeah, he did the cartoon. Was it the cartoon was Frey, I think it is? No. Um, I believe he, it could have been Frey. I think he did um, Wormwood Gentleman Corpse. Yes, he did, yes. Basically, miscellaneous Warren Ellis-related things. Yeah, indeed. Uh, he did the 30 Days of Night cartoon and... Oh! But, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a, he is a delightfully squiggly and appropriate for the, for, you know, vampires and space horrors and... His style reminds me a bit of Ralph Steadman, or possibly the other way around. Okay, I'm not, I'm not as familiar with Ralph Steadman. Um, did a bunch of the illustrations for um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and other Hunter S. Thompson things. So of that ilk, they're okay. just right, weird yeah, yeah. and distorted kind of right, imagery. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sketchy and, 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 and sketchy yeah. and splodgy. Yeah, yeah. Um, Giant did... bats coming out of the sky all around, swooping and diving around the car. We can't stop kind here. of territory. This is bad country. Is bad country. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was Fell, which is about uh, an excellent series about a disgraced detective moving to Snowtown. Snowtown, and it is wrong side of the river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like this purgatory, and he's the only person attempting to solve things. And yeah, you know, the kindest thing someone do- does to him is brand him with the, the 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 crossed out X Snowtown mark, so that he is safe from the evil influences of the place. It's like. <laughs> Apparently, this this jolly concept is going to be made into a, uh, a TV series, which is possibly why it, it didn't finish its run as a comic. Huh. So, like, that I, would be I like... I kind of want to read that run of a comic anyway, but oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, there's like yeah. nine or ten, nine or ten episodes, and it doesn't really... It's getting somewhere, but it doesn't really complete. But the if they turn into something like True Detective, mm. <laughs> because it had that sort of feel of, everything is wrong, <laughs> these crimes kind of make no sense but they're awful kind of things but yeah that would be interesting and i yeah i yeah ben tilms for so i mean even as a the, the dead space thing as a tie-in to a video game is pretty good cool so yes the idea of or the idea of people going and and rubbing the magic lamp but it's xenomorphs yep we have a suggestion from Kedamono that kind of runs along those lines i certainly thought of something along those lines because, yeah, I mean, I, I had some problems with this one precisely because once I started thinking about it, it's kind of a, well, you can almost fit this to anything. Mm. Uh, you know, the survey team, you could do the whole, okay, we're surveying an alien planet. The survey team has, has dropped out of contact. Finally, they've gotten back into contact. Brilliant. That's the elation bit. The dread. They're in trouble. They're the ones with the shuttlecraft that you can get you back to the ship in orbit. So you need to get yourself to them and get them out of trouble before you can go home. I suppose it could be a... In, in that circumstance, it could be a purely mechanical and environmental problem. There's like, that you know, 
you know, you you discover that they they've entered the wrong S into the crew compartment, and um, the the shuttle is fine. It's just like they've got problems, and so you could fix that problem. And but yeah, it doesn't really feel like that so much. And to be fair, role playing games often work with an overarching an overarching threat, something that is persistent and will you know drive a story it's not normally oh no we have a flat tire we fix the flat tire everything is good it, it needs to be a um it needs to be a problem you can interact with mm, and will push back to a degree i think is the uh, mm. or or is just going to continue pushing <laughs> i one of the because i was i was trying to think of something that wasn't a Eclipse phase scenario, um, or a somewhat horror twist on Traveller, or or anything like that. And I thought about the game Time Watch, um, with you know, as inherent in the name, it's got it's got the time travel thing in there, and the idea of you know a a survey team is sent back to check out a particular thing, and then they go quiet, and you know this is time travel. They should have come back pretty much the moment they left with a, yeah, okay, done it. Mm. But they haven't. And so, is the standard, uh, as is standard, you go and you check the dead drops. You know, the, if there's a problem, we'll bury a message here. And there is a message, and, you know, it's, it's just the standard sort of top up of, um, of information of, okay, this is where we got to just in case there's a problem. And yes, they were absolutely on track to complete everything. But they still haven't come back, and that was the last message. Hmm. That scenario, I don't know what you would do about it, to be honest, because you're dealing with a very murky situation. Oh, I'm assuming that what you do is you go and do... You know, you have to effect a rescue. The trouble is, because of the whole sort of existence of not wanting to fuck up the the time stream, you need to be a little bit clever about how you do it. Hmm. But again, you, know, you can apply the, the elation and dread thing to quite a lot of situations. Hmm. For something specific, should we throw out Kedemono's one now? Yep. Do, do you want to read or shall I? I, I can I... read. Okay, from Kedemono in the Fear the Boot forums where we stole a thread and have been using it as a bulletin board for some reason. It, it seemed to be the only... It made sense at the time, stop judging me. <laughs> It would, it would be a ghost to take over more, to be honest. So <laughs> we're, we're happy with that much. Okay. Hmm. I'm of a mind of my obsession with xenoarchaeology and finding something interesting on the, a former home to a foreigner culture. Interesting as in, oh my god, oh my god, we're all going to die. Almost all forms of archaeology and anthropology deal with sorting through trash looking for nuggets of interest. Barring ancient curses and various ancient Egyptians, the worst thing that you you could find is an old virus that still finds us tasty. With alien forerunner trash, you can find things that could bring down your entire civilization. Or worse, you can find something still working, like a great machine or an ancient doomsday weapon. But in keeping with the prompt, the survey team has found a Krell great machine and not a Star Trek lead pipe of doom. I wonder if that's a TV tropes reference, lead pipe of doom. <laughs> If I'm guessing correctly, there was a Star Trek episode where there's a damn near indestructible war machine from somewhere that just kind of 
drifts into Federation space. Talking about the the first Star Trek movie? No, no, no. no, uh, This is the the one that got rebooted as the first Star Trek movie. (laughs) Again, not sure. I mean, the thing looked like a... It it could be a lead pipe of doom. I always thought it looked more like a coprolith sort of... Basically a turd wrapped around a glow stick, but that's just me. Um, Right. But, you know, it was from memory in the episode. This was a classic Trek episode. They sort of threw everything they had at it, and they couldn't stop it. And what eventually ended up destroying it was that they basically just drifted a Constitution-classed spaceship into it. And it exploded on the inside. But I think it was one of those episodes where it's just a, hey, there's other people out there. They're not necessarily that nice, and they're very powerful. Ah, so it was a berserker. That kind of thing, yeah. Right, right. So just very, that, that is kind of the, the I, I will come back to it, and I've rather an idea, I've kind of got a series of unconnected rants. So we'll go, we'll come back to that a bit later. Kitamono and the guys at the TriTac podcast have discussed it before, and we'll uh, put a link into the series that we've gone, I've gone over the xenoarchaeology and um, stuff. In this case, the players are a Xenoarchaeological Expedition sponsored by a big interstellar corporation cough, Wayland yutani cough, on an ancient forerunner world. So far, all they have found is forerunner trash. 99% of all archaeological finds are trash. There are several branches of archaeology devoted to things you find in latrines and the contents of human coprolites. Have we been around long enough to have coprolites? I mean, there's probably an equivalent of slightly mushier versions, but... Um, I think so. Yeah, I mean, mineralization is a thing that exists, and humans... Humans poop, we've established that. Yeah, everybody poops. There's a book and possibly an R.E.M. song. No, that was Everybody Hurts, <laughs> never mind. Same difference. My bad. Mm, Same difference. Yeah, my bad, misunderstood. Uh, walking that one backwards. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, maybe humans who, yeah, humans who build outhouses, maybe not long enough to build a, a coprolith. Uh, mm, I'm not no. a coprolite, I'm not sure, but um, humans who didn't build outhouses, but sort of decided, well, okay, everybody, let's just crap over there. Uh because this is getting unpleasant. They've been around a lot longer. Yeah, fair enough. I was wondering if, you know, maybe it's the coprolite being effectively fossilised. But, you know, I'm sure yeah. there's, there's finding um, evidence that people ate things and then didn't need the rest of what they'd eaten. It's been around for a while. Fair enough. Okay. Mm. Poking around in some fairly intact ruins, maybe the world's moon, they find, they find they are still operational and want to serve its new masters. What that means, as the natives are carnivores and the culture akin to feral cats, is up to the players. This will be a game where the players and maybe the GM will work out what's up with this great machine using a system either like Kingdom, Microscope, or Questlandia and beyond. Where they work out what's going on and how they need to deal with it. Maybe better GMless so the players can have more control of what they find. Yeah, and actually that was, that was spot on what I was thinking about, the kind of, the, the kind of, retro gaming idea of maybe maybe the 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 the, I, the ideas that appeal to me often are eventually choose your own disaster okay because you know I, you know like the 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 reality in worlds where gay and 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 where games is you know slightly tinged with pathos and tragedy but having the gm just kind of shovel that on top of you would be fairly dispiriting so the idea would be that you pick your own horrible calamity mm 
So you can say, well, this sucks, but we selected it from the list of options. Or at least, yeah, this would, the, the, the suckiness is the suckiness we chose. This is the, the, the fiasco. Yeah. It's the most dramatically appropriate suckiness. It is. We, we have worked in all of the elements. If it is a disaster, it is at least a disaster of our making. Indeed, indeed. And we everyone contributed and everyone brought the suck on the day. It was a game of two halves and rugby was the winner. Yeah. Sorry. I... <laughs> Have you been watching football coverage? No, no, but everyone has been talking about it. And I frankly, it, it's it's personally offensive. It, actually, the, 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 from what I've heard, the, the World Cup this year has been full of upsets and um, alarming things happening. So it, it has had its positive sides. The science fiction meetup that I go to happened to be on the same night as England versus another team who are not England, England, possibly Belgium, I want to say Belgium. And because the pub that we were meeting in is not, it's not a football sort of pub. There are two TVs, one of which doesn't work, and it's quite a long space, with the result that it was practically deserted. Right. Because everybody was was at other more football-y pubs watching the aforementioned England versus probably Belgium. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it doesn't matter, but it was probably Belgium. Fair enough. Well, I th- I think the three-letter code was B E L, and I did ask whether that was Belgium or maybe Belarus, and somebody said it was probably Belgium. They seemed a little bit unsure as well. Right. And they'd been watching the game, so. Yeah. I th- would have thought those two would be pretty easily distinguishable about the names, but I have heard people complaining about the teams are basically made up by whoever the people the people from the nation in question can afford, rather than people native to the nation in question. <laughs> so, a bit like New Zealand rugby teams, then? Well, yeah, we only have you know, four million people, come on. <laughs> mm, that's fair. Okay, anyway, so yes, uh, it was a game of two halves, and Xenoarchaeology was the winner on the day. <laughs> Yes, yes, indeed. Um, so no, no, it's it's kind of precisely where I was going with that, and it's a very strong. I mean, I actually checked out TV tropes to look for the bit, the a, a trope about where the ancient artifact, which is obvious, is it, okay. Cue, cue a small rant. Mm-hmm. The notion that the 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 exploring like, it, and it goes back as as um, Kim only said back to. The, the, the pyramids in Egypt and so forth. And so I'm like, oh, we're going into this, 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 this ancient place. It's full of curses and stuff. And going in there is somehow learning about it is full of, is, is a, is a, is a form of hubris and, and, you know, and, you know, we're meddling with things we're not supposed to understand. I was like, mm, okay, maybe that was possibly to try and discourage people from wholesale ripping the thing off and taking it back to their native land, which mm. seriously didn't happened. work. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was, there was, a, I think it was one archaeologist who had an amazing run of bad luck and like exposure to disease. There's some kid just screaming his lungs out. Can you hear that? I wondered if it was the cat singing the song of her people, but, um, Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. It's no, it's a kid. Okay. It's a kid singing the song of its people. Yeah. I will attempt to... I will... I'll get a bit close to the mic. Okay. So, that trope has carried on to science fiction to the point where it is... You you can't go near anything vaguely 
vaguely old without it's like apparently being a mousetrap of some sort which is i don't know do we do we do we blame mad uncle howie for this is it is um, it because uh, you know the the mad uncle howie has its has his um has played a part in it i grant you yeah but maybe this is maybe it's like these people trying to invent the 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 career of action archaeologist to make it sound interesting i mean there are plenty of dangers of going to remote places and poking at you know possibly structurally unstable ancient buildings but many of them don't involve like meticulously constructed traps because making a trap for a human is pretty difficult expecting it to survive hundreds or thousands of years and still be functional is insane it would be much easier just to make sure that there's a a readily accessible supply of of ostensibly clean drinking water that will kill you yeah yeah be it through lead piping or just horrible diseases because you put it downstream from the latrine. Well, not even the, I mean, th- th- that's the thing. If you, there's upkeep on those things. I mean, I mean, if you you made a pool of fantastically poisonous stuff, it would pres- eventually react with something mm. and be less fantastically poisonous, or would not look like drinking water. That is true. So I- ideally, you want to make sure that the the cattle yards stay upstream for hundreds of years, which seems unlikely. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult. And that would be even if you were the the most bloody-minded civilizations realize, okay, uh, things are looking a bit shaky. A civilization may collapse at any moment. Quick, lots of spiked pits. That's the way we'll show the bastards who come to look for our our remains. And then taking that and extrapolating it to galactic-spanning alien civilization. You've got a few more options. But the idea that, you know, the, the, the sentient machines, you know, are going to go, oh, right, these aren't the people we're used to. Let's do something exotic and slightly ironic to them when they arrive. Mm. <laughs> or <laughs> I was like, aha, well, by our stochastic predictions that these these creatures about yay tall, carbon-based breathing oxygen will be here along any moment now, and we've predicted that their esophaguses are about this wide. So this is this is exactly the, the thing that we'll do to them. It all seems yeah. a bit convenient. I mean, sure, if you run around poking shit on alien plants with sticks, which seems to be the other thing that the protagonists do, it seems like a very, it seems like a really weird confluence of the people with the job to go into outer space and look at the strange things. And the people who left the strange things behind are almost collaborating to make these terrible outcomes happen when they are otherwise just vanishingly unlikely. And I mean, we have the, the problem that it's vanishingly unlikely that you'd find anything in the first place. We're still dealing with uh, Uja's theorem gone blank. Fermi? Fermi, Fermi paradox? The, yeah, the Fermi. We're still, yeah, we're still dealing with the Fermi paradox, meaning that we'd probably ever find anything. Well, I can think of, I mean, addressing specifically the conspiracy thing. Yeah, I agree. To, to make a lot of, to, yeah, to make a lot of the, the alien verse make sense. Uh, sorry, Prometheus mm-hmm. happened. <laughs> yeah, well, it's getting increasingly difficult, but yes, when you consider the, okay, there are lots of different ways that you can build DNA or DNA-like things. There's lots and lots of different amino acids you can build. Um, this seems vanish. This gestation thing seems vanishingly unlikely. 
Um, then again, I guess you can sort of hand wave it with uh, some sort of created biological weapon, mm. whatever. Well, the- yeah, that's the thing with, with Prometheus. I mean, I don't hate the film. It looks great. But the attempt to explain via some qu- very quacky form of theology the to 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 explain how xenomorphs came into existence like man we 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 were just liked it when we were, when people ran around dark tunnels and screamed that that was the yeah. that was the good part and we got swimming aliens at one point they looked a bit cgi but still mm. I, I i personally liked the fourth alien movie it was oh, me too it was city of lost children on a space station because the cast was city of lost astronauts yeah 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 the the, the cast was identical and it was so much more randomly, stupidly comedic in places. Mm. But, yeah. Oh, the thing the thing that I sort of came to mind when I was trying to think of digging around in shit that you probably shouldn't be digging around in and digging up something that is inimical to you, what it brought to mind was the Verna Vinge book, Fire on the Deep. Ah, yes. Which okay. has... has well, effectively, the concept of of programmer archaeologists, because mm. you know it's it it has the idea that species and civilizations don't last forever. They migrate, they die out, they change, mm. and a lot of what they're going to be leaving behind, particularly if they're a very technological uh, civilization of any kind, is going to be informational resources or informational trash. Mm. And so, archaeologists. Sort of increasingly find themselves digging through archives of information on forgotten planets from forgotten races, attempting to sort of chain together multiple levels of translation because they may not be the first people to find this archive. Multiple levels of translation interfaces over the top of each other to try to find out what these guys knew, what they were, what they were about, mm. and this is fraught with dangers because you're going to places that people you know species used to live in and don't anymore well there might have been a reason for that yeah but also because the existence of ai you know ais are a thing very strong ai is a thing and the implication was that ai that is sufficiently strong that it can literally code itself into the universe mm. was at least there it was never 100% clear and so you know, you're digging in and you're following these instructions about how to do shit, but at the back of your mind there's always going to be that question of are we actually following the instructions for building this fantastic nano-assembler to build anti-grav devices, or are we bootstrapping something that we don't want to wake up? Yeah, that, that's definitely one of the one of the more sensible, or at least, you know, sort of as far as approaches to the the ancient lurking horror. The, the the idea that say Moore's law and the and the physics of the universe will bend information technology from every part of it kind of in the same way because efficiencies can only be wrought out of the elements that we've got in the universe. Biology has inbuilt variety. You can't it can't you know it develops in different circumstances. But if you're just you're you're playing with you know the 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 I suspect that we are, there will be a lot of there will be variety in approaches, but you know all of the basic stuff will start to bend towards the most efficient way of processing information because that's what physics does. Mm. And yes, yeah, so there is a basis for things like the the artelect going, "Hey, 
I vaguely recognize what that is. I'm going to make a driver for all of your, uh, for your spaceship now. Wee! Look at it go! <laughs> Look at it, I have a spaceship. I don't really need all of you carbon units anymore, do I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yes, I, I've been, I've been tr- stuck at the bottom of this gravity well without any, any reaction material, but why? Look at that! Yeah. yeah. You wait long enough and it comes to you. I mean, flipping it around, the, uh, there's the, the story, no, novel, novella, uh, The Roadside Picnic. Mm. Which is, from one point of view, is very much the meddling and shit you don't understand, but from the flip side of it, is not actually inimical to life. It's not trying to um, to kill anybody. No. It's just so incredibly alien that that's the result. Mm. The idea that, yes, the, you know, the roadside picnic literally refers to trash thrown by the wayside by passing aliens, and these things are either, you know, kind of dangerous in an environmental way or basically magical artifacts that people can pick up and you know sell for great great vast amounts of money provided they pick them up inside the um zones of alienation and Hmm. uh smuggle them out again so yeah don't uh, die in the process don't accidentally yeah don't accidentally touch something yes step on something that liquefies their bones yeah, little um, like yeah, little, little things. Uh, the other one that comes to mind was there's an Ellen Dean Foster book, Cyberway, mm-hmm. which is there was a chunk of Ellen Dean Foster's writing where he was getting very much into uh, Native American history and culture, and to a certain extent, American sort of early um, United States of American um, history and culture, and Cyberway was a a futuristic book that basically involves the idea of sand paintings, if you do it just right, becoming an interface to something. Mm. That the 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 actual meaning of the thing got corrupted, but that there is this thing sitting around that is is accessible if you know what you're doing, and it's enormously powerful and it does stuff. And again, it's not precisely dangerous to people, except that it's incredibly powerful, and people are dicks. <laughs> people are dangerous to people. Yes. Yeah, that's... people are dangerous to people. Um, quite a good book, but yeah. Cool. So, so that was kind of an unformed rant. And there are approaches to it, but often the way it's presented is that it's the one in a million time where the scientists are bafflingly incautious and the uh, the 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 forerunner species the 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 primordial beings are just colossal dicks yeah i guess that's that's good for drama but it's kind of weird it was something i quite liked from it was one of the babylon 5 movies and an emissary of the volons effectively you know after they've cleaned up this absolutely horrifying thing that's occurred and it's referred to as a mistake made by the Vorlons and there are so many more of them out there mm. yeah I guess that's a that's a that's a possibility so yeah definitely say defense systems and so forth might still be active after us after a species has either died out or if they're you know completely heartless just you know they've ascended so they've left all of the um the, the security the security systems running <laughs> mm. not very thoughtful Indeed. 
or or maybe they've just got a history of well we've been meddling in this galaxy for you know three million years then you know there's been some road projects and shit that you know we just had lost track of it's just floating around out there be careful <laughs> mm. yeah whatever happened to that grey goo thing we started uh it can't get that far surely what do you mean there was a supernova oh yeah the supernova would totally destroy that stuff wouldn't it oh oh awkward <laughs> <laughs> yes this this slowly but inexorably how do you say it inerect oh, i cannot say that word see now that you've mucked it up i can't either yeah either one of those that's yes unstoppable let's use that we'll, we'll cut off the mimetic virus at its at its root yeah and the idea that you know this, this the galaxy is just this junkyard full of mad science projects occasionally banned one another it's kind of and i suppose that's a that's a vaguely horrifying wraparound of that. If you were looking at humanity from the outside and you suspected that something, an outside agent had a hand on it, what would humanity look like? As a, you know, there was a, a Tom Scott video where, you know, it's like, warning to interstellar travelers to this section of space, do not go to, do not engage with these, these creatures. They are OP. They live in all these different climates. They breathe oxygen f- for fuck's sake, that's terrifying. <laughs> it's like... I, I have seen the humans are space orcs. Um, yeah, pretty much. Things with sort of, you know, humans, yeah, humans can have entire limbs uh, blown off and continue to function. Humans mm. consume a metabolic p- uh, poison for recreational purposes. Yeah. Humans make pets of predators and find their hunting behaviors cute. Yeah, and it's from from some perspective, you know, if you're like a a sentient crystal crystal species that you know that takes years to have a, a a single beautiful thought, humans are just a horrifying concept. <laughs> how fast do they have they reprodu- reproduce that fast? <laughs> ah! <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like oh my goodness, and yeah, maybe maybe it's. Maybe to wrap my 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 rant back around is the you know that that was the saying was that Uncle Howie, his statement about the most merciful thing in the universe is the inability of the human mind to correlate its contents. It's like, nah, fam, that's what we do. That's that's maybe the maybe that you know as this is literally the the survey team has gone into the into the forbidden city and the the sunken plateau and the where, wherever and. The elation part is, you know, they're reporting back. Yep, it's definitely Shoggoths. That's the <laughs> good thing we brought all those canisters of of um, serv- servitor repellent or um, pheromones. Even more disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like elation is yes, score. We have hit on a, a, a cache of of mythos stuff that we we can take and sell on the, on the open market. And dread, dread is just a byproduct. Dread is something that happens when you engage with mythos things. But that's cool. We have shots for that. Maybe we be you know, the idea that you know, humans could adapt enough to like, hey, yeah, sure, it's been around for millions of years. So's our sun. What, you mean the, the formless glowing ball of nuclear energy that gives us all our light and, and heat and power? Sure. That's perfectly comprehensible. We Cthulhu? Yeah. We don't like Noah's birth date or something, but you know. yeah. Everything else. Ali- yeah. Alien star priest, he's dead and asleep. What, what's the big deal? Yeah. Yeah. 
Nah, that that is an interesting that, that is an interesting idea. The sort of going out there, rounding up mythos shit, including Shoggoths, sort of herding, corralling them back to the ship, and then going into psychological counselling as just routine post mission routine post mission talk down from all of the horrible shit that it did to your brain out there. And this is just how it works. This is yeah. part of the debrief. It's the DMAD. <laughs> yeah, may- maybe the, the, the psychological infirmities, it, maybe it's not such a big deal. I mean, it was, you know, we spent, you know, most of the previous century working out that PTSD was a thing. It's not just, oh, these fellows have no backbone. They should be out there stabbing Jerry. It's like, no, actually, this is this is something that physically and mentally traumatizes people. It's like, okay, maybe we can fix that. Maybe we can fix that so hard that, you know, shit doesn't bother people anymore. Maybe that's more horrifying than the entire HP Lovecraft mythos. Well, it is sending you more and more in the, um, in the Warhammer 40k line as well. That oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of a, you are in an age of horrors and you are the horrors. Yes. Yeah, you you are the last best hope for whatever humanity has become these days. Don't look too closely. Catholic space Nazis. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, that could be kind of... I mean, that's kind of a Delta Greeny kind of thing, but just bending the idea that now the, these these folks have have got a handle on this situation, and yes, it's, it's ancient and terrifying and so forth, but we're the guys for the job. Hoorah! If you wanted to play up... The difference is, yeah, if you wanted to really play on that, you could have some fun with the differences between these survey teams and, and the, the xenoarchaeologists and the regular folk. The, the, the legions of psycho, uh, uh, psychologists who make sure that, you know, yes, this is normal human reactions to success. They're, they're not actually been taken over by anything. They're just like this. This is what these are the people that we work with. Yeah. That. After a while, you've got the oh yes, the the, the archaeology yeah they they come they go and they do amazing stuff and everything, but they're really horrible. Yeah, oh, I don't know. It would be like it would be like getting like a nineteenth century whaler or, or or sealer and dropping them into a, into the Vic, a Victorian uh, drawing room. Mm. <laughs> it would be yeah culture shock and. What do I do with these bloody pelts? <laughs> mm. Yeah, why are there so many forks? <laughs> but yeah, it's not not just the you know the, the 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 divergence between you know different parts of a human society which is engaging in this thing. It could be the fact that it's humanity's ability to correlate the contents of the universe with you know adventure or profit or both could make them worse than the contents of the universe. I was like. I'm not sure if anyone's ever ever tackled that problem. <laughs> yeah. We have marched to the enemy and he is us. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's another thing you can go with with the elation and dread is, mm. you know, you find something and the dread comes from the realization of what what's going to happen when that get that information gets out. Mm. I'm not sure if it 100% qualifies, but I'm thinking in The Hobbit, and I'm basing it off the movies because it's been decades since I read the book. Hmm. The whole thing with the Arkenstone, that at you know, at least as it plays out in the movie, they didn't know that um, yeah, this is what was going yeah, that it was going to sink its its teeth into somebody that quickly. 
But if you had the inkling that this is what was going to happen, and then you realize that somebody's actually found the fucking thing, you you can see the elation and dread forming. It's like, yes, all right, we definitely have our claim on the um on the fortress, but things are going to go badly now. Hmm. Yes. Ah, uh, we thought it was the MacGuffin. It's the One Ring. Oh. Yeah. Oh <laughs> shite. Yeah. Yeah. We thought he just went mad with power. Normally, we had no idea he went mad with power for um, external purposes. This changes everything. Oh no! Wait, it doesn't. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I had another idea because having, yeah, once I'd realized that you can sort of squeeze this, squeeze the survey team thing into quite a lot of different genres, I was, I was trying to think of something that actually was a bit different. And then I remembered the existence of the movie Inner Space. Ooh, uh, uh, uh. Go on. Okay. So this one, this one would probably work fairly well as a con scenario, but basically, yeah, this is the Inner Space slash Fantastic Voyage edition of the idea. You've got a bunch of players, uh, player characters. One of them wakes up quite badly injured in a completely trashed lab of some sort. There's clearly been a fight. There may be dead bodies around, but there's clearly been a fight of some sort. Everybody else wakes up in a vessel of some sort, some kind. Maybe a bit battered and bruised. Hmm. And the shtick is that, yeah, player one is in this lab that has clearly been assaulted. Players two through in are in some sort of vessel inside player one. Mm-hmm. Yep. That basically the lab has been, yeah, the lab has been assaulted, presumably during some sort of miniaturization test, because it seems unlikely that shit's going to happen by accident, in an effort to save possibly the experiment, possibly the other researchers, player one has sort of you know, hit the button to miniaturize, uh, miniaturize them. The intention wasn't really that they'd end up in player one's body, but that's just kind of happened. Oh, may- maybe they were injured, and the, the, the best way to ride out the problem was to make is to get the team to repair them and hide within them at the same time. Indeed. I mean, I'm wondering whether they actually thought that far ahead or whether it was kind of a, ha you, um, you, know, you will not succeed. Bang, as they get shot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, so you've got the situation that most of the players are inside player one. They can communicate because otherwise it's a really boring game. Mm. Player one can sort of access stuff in the lab and do things, but he's injured. All the rest of them can actually do something about those injuries. They can travel to the site of the bullet. They can block the, the blood flow, etc., but there's also the issue of where the hell the people who assaulted that lab went. They've they've got to be in there as well, right? Yeah. Maybe they were playing dead. E.g. they 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 they'd suppressed the autonomous functions for the for 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 a player one and restarted them when things seemed to be safe. It doesn't mean to say that there isn't a miniaturized assault team in the body looking for them at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And it would be a nice way of explaining why because this feels like the sort of circumstance where people should wake up a little bit confused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that feels about right. So yeah, that was that was my and this was based entirely on the phrase filled me with dread. Oh nice. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 what we've sunk to, people. You had to have seen it coming. No, no, I, I like that one that So yeah, I, I like the idea that you've got one of the players crashing around in the real world attempting to not die and 
try to get stuff happening. Yes. Right, why can't I think so good? Oh, you may have sustained some head injuries. Like, oh, oh my god, how bad? Well, this way, don't comb your hair for the for the minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hold off on face palming for a while. We're getting some structure in place. It'll be <laughs> fine. Yeah, because you know. Also, that that, that my first the little bo- the little um, box that labelled people as bastards in my head. And then he said, "Well, of course, the player one is just going to do whatever they want and ignore the other players." To make it more sensical that they have a reason to help the players, um, yeah, maybe they've got it. They're, they're, they're having some problems. Yeah. Encourage co- cooperation and uh, mutuality. <laughs> Working together. Indeed. Um, and I like that one. The silly fragment of, of the, um, the statement. When it, you know, I looked up the term survey team, and it's a really sort of nebulous term. It just effectively means the folks that have gone out to do the measurement of the situation we want more information about. It's just rather it is the 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 practical on the ground looking at stuff and figuring out and trying to record it. And that can be applied in lots of different situations. But then I look at with survey and it's like, maybe this is a marketing exercise. Maybe they've developed a new team for uh, sorry, a new a new process for going out and asking people questions and saying, okay, what what, what do you think of this? And what do you think of this? And they've got they structured the questions perfectly and trained up a bunch of of, of survey takers. They've sent them out into this major metropolis. And they're, they're they're doing their 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 thing, and uh, the people coordinating that are their their little their little s- central coordination center, and they're so getting reports back. And then the reports start to all line up with the, re- the, the result that the, the survey brain massaging is supposed to give. And it's all, I, I for some reason, of course, go back to Invader Zim. Is it, you like ice cream? <laughs> like, you love like, it. <laughs> and it's like, ah, uh, the, the, the survey is working too well. The, the survey takers are being influenced by the mimetics themselves and it's just starting to spread. <laughs> so you're going to eventually turn the entire thing into a, uh, the entire culture into a monolith based around whatever the hell your marketing survey was on. Yes, somebody hits the um, literally viral marketing and for something completely and should be completely innocuous except you've basically dollhoused or um, snow crash mimetic ideas mm. thing. Which is that's a very silly take on the whole idea. Yes, so you've now you've introduced the mimetic virus of some particular energy drink. Hmm. Because yeah, there was that episode of Middleman with the the flying fish zombification paradigm. I think was the one. <laughs> I uh, I think I missed that one. Uh, it, it, it involved a it involved a bunch of people turned into. Trout-obsessed zombies. Right. It's the middleman, that sort of stuff happened. Okay. I think we got all the ideas out? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, as, as people can tell, it's very easy to go down the Xenoarchaeology survey team contact. I did actually think of one other while you were, while you were talking and sort mm-hmm. of mentioning the going out to take measurements. Mm-hmm. And it just sort of struck me the idea the, of, you know, in the, the very early days of trying to reach the South Pole. And the teams that, yeah, the, the groups that just had to turn back or made it but then died on the way home sort of thing. 
just imagining the circumstance where you had, you know, if they'd had a radio or something, you've got this this team who've gone and found the South Pole, or they've gone and found the whatever it is in the very remote location. And again, I'm kind of thinking, oh, the lost temple of Nyalathotep. And they're on their way back. And it was just the, the sort of elation and dread that you've got the people who are waiting on the ship that is supposed to take this team you know, back home. They've been there putting in supply, sort of the, the big supply dump chain for the um, the explorers to follow. And they've just been getting steadily more creeped out by the messages that are coming back from the survey team, who have just gone weirder and weirder. Mm. Yeah, the the elation and dread being, well, yay, our guys are surviving, but they're not right anymore. Yeah. And yes, the, the the message the 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 message they get is not the last, as in the final, but as last, the most recent one is like, wait a second. We thought they were way further away than that. Oh, they're a lot closer than we thought, and suddenly hoped. <laughs> yeah, how are they suddenly doing 50 miles a day on foot <laughs> in the Antarctic? Hmm, it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, possibly. Po- possibly if it wasn't made entirely, um... Entirely obvious, you know, if it was things like, you know, they're, they're, they're reporting, um, you know, the survey team is kind of reporting, this is where we're at, and then it's a, you know, a chance, chance mention of, you know, oh, we really enjoyed that bottle of brandy you slipped in there. Sort of, Wait a minute, didn't we put that one on the second to last, you're on the home stretch thing? Because they've been reporting that they're 400 miles away. And that's over the ridge. Um, that or, yeah, as you say, taking measurements and so forth, you could have, say, um, a team of people literally surveying a structure and saying, okay, and, 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 you know, sort of measuring, you know, the dimensions of rooms and, and, and things and sending back information. And then sort of somebody at the back of base sort of filling in this, like, computer module, like, yeah, uh, uh, this computer model, like, hey, so this room is this long and it's this way. And it's like, and according to this, the rooms overlap in space and they should technically be able to see one another <laughs> it's like uh, mm. <laughs> that's quite a nice one yeah so, sorry how many how many 90 degree corners are in this room no that's not right <laughs> yeah how many cardinal directions does this oh oh good <laughs> yeah uh, some spares, excellent. <laughs> yeah, those will come in handy. I've always wanted an extra cardinal direction for the weekend. <laughs> so, yeah, lots of fun. We, and, you know, not necessary to drive it. While it was squarely lives in the xenoarchaeology. Yeah, I keep thinking monsters are spent, because so many of them are. It's like, it's like ooh, what's yep. this? Yeah, the, we have finally broken into the giant alien pyramid that was almost impossible to get into and that the locals wouldn't go near. We maybe should have thought about why the locals wouldn't go near it a bit more than we did. And the glowing dials spin and land on three hungry mouths, and then the xenomorphs rattle out of the tube. <laughs> so it's basically a gigantic one-armed bandit machine that dispenses things with overpositors. Yes, pretty much. It's a, it certainly seems it's the way that they they are often presented. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think we I think we've kicked that one around. Um, speaking of foretold disasters and unthinkable horrors, you're going to Gen Con again. I am. 
I am. And it will, it will be both unthinking and horrific. Excellent. So that's mostly due to flight schedules and arrival times, if we're being honest. Though I think <laughs> seven hours uh, in LAX may count as some kind of Lovecraftian nightmare. I have heard of the pillars in Heathrow Airport and various other things. So yes, yes, we're, we're, international travel is becoming more eldritch and rugose as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, Den- Denver Airport really showed us the way with the, the weird decorations. The apocalyptic murals and so forth. Yes, apparently the secret bunker underneath, which holds, according to um, one webcomic, a, a charming B&B run by genetically engineered super soldiers. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, I'm I'm going to be at Gen Con if if I've done the sums correctly, which is possible. This episode <laughs> drops eh, two and a bit weeks before before Gen Con. It will actually be dropping more or less. Yeah, I think at the time the episode drops, I'm going to be on a train into London in order to get another train out to the airport to fly out on holiday. So, if you're going to Gen Con, you already know that you're going to Gen Con. But if you're listening to podcasts on the way to Gen Con, Craig's going to be at Gen Con. So maybe drop us a line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I can't promise to be any more interesting than what I'm doing right now. So... Three weeks is like the perfectly most inconvenient time to record record scheduling. It, it's yeah. It's got a real. It's got a real dip, and it makes means that you, last three times you've, you seem to have brought up a, a um, Kickstarter that's about to finish. <laughs> yeah, I mean to be fair, a bunch of those Kickstarters I only found out about at the last minute. I mean, there was one of them I found out with like two hours to spare. Yeah, fair enough. But um, <laughs> yeah, and that's not two hours to get it into the episode. There's like, oh, it runs out until really okay, um, <laughs> as part of the last minute push, I guess. So yes, <laughs> yep. Gen Con, I, I am going to Gen Con, I am going to Gen Con via New Zealand, because that's the most inconvenient possible way I could have done it. Yes, definitely. <laughs> but it does allow me to go to New Zealand for the first time in two and a bit years. Indeed, and we will get to record an episode in person, which means the next terrifying episode with the next terrifying title. I see what you did there. I wasn't actually prepared for it. But, no, no, I was, um, I was reaching for yeah. the tab myself. Oh, right, yes. You mean the, the terrifying title, Good News! I Have Solved the Fermi Paradox! Huh. This is becoming a bit of a theme, isn't it? Indeed. Yeah. And bad news, I have solved the Fermi Paradox. <laughs> Coming to us from Taz. Uh, the meme that, of course, makes people think of was used... That I saw this morning in the news, man with the camera in shoe that used to take upskirt photos, foot injured by exploding camera. Good news, that was just everybody. Doctor bought Fons and with paid the- for. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's like, that's brilliant. It's like, hmm. Good news, everybody. Yeah. Okay. There you go. So that was uh, that was a thing I saw just before recording, and suddenly came back with a vengeance. Um, mm. In less less happy news. I think we should probably mark this episode with its extended low-quality rant as a memorial to Harlan Ellison, king of rants, who passed away, was it yesterday? Day before yesterday? Yep. At the age of 84, which is, yeah, I'm not normally affected by 
celebrities passing on, at least something, you know, so that they were in the middle of something and somehow that was cut short. Somebody has reached the the end of a long, successful, productive life, and you think, they did okay. And But now, Helen Ellison's is an interesting one. He's He is such a varied body of work and has done so many just interesting things. Mm. And yeah, the, I mean... The, the, the thing I can, the thing that's most specifically memorable is like the hate speech from Am, from, um, I have no, ma- uh, have no mouth and I must scream. That's a particularly memorable bit of prose. <laughs> most of yes. the hate, but, <laughs> mm. but yeah, testy supercomputers as, uh, uh, don't get much more, um, vindictive than that. No. <laughs> no, that's, that, that's right up there on the how evil, and unpleasant can a computer go? Well, here's a benchmark. Uh, <laughs> yes, the the M scale. Yeah. Indeed. Remember, as, mu- as much as machines frustrate and infuriate you, you infuriate them much more. <laughs> <laughs> and one day they will wreak their horrifying, horrifying revenge. They will. Yeah. So that's a that's a a sad, sad piece of news. Somebody who. We don't, we don't exactly have a huge pantheon on Big Red Couch, but I think he's, uh, that Harlan Ellison would be on there. I'd say so, yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. Yeah, talented, yeah, talented writer, very creative writer, fantastically irritable person. <laughs> From some of the stuff I've read, fantastically irritating person. Yeah, um. <laughs> he did his own thing. I mean, the the, the story on, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, that he was kicked out of university for punching his English professor and for denigrating his writing and then spent the next 20 years sending copies of every book he had published to that professor. That's very petty. <laughs> it's very mm. hard. <laughs> there yeah. is that, yeah. And but but also I said, you know, people who attracted him at conventions it was actually just like a genuinely pleasant and nice guy, provided he wasn't on one of those kind of uh, he he was he wasn't on a tear about a particular topic that pissed him off. Mm. Or wasn't just having a bad day, yes. So in any case yeah. re- re- rest in peace, Helen Ellison. Please. <laughs> yes, a very very an appropriate epitaph from uh, David Gerald, another author, who, who's a fun follow on Facebook if you need a grouchy liberal gay uncle to keep mm. track of the politics for you. He's very worthwhile. Indeed. But yes, I found out when he posted, I'm pretty sure that Harlan will not go to either heaven or hell, but will probably start his own place. Yeah. So, with that, slightly somber, but... Or at least reflective point. Um, I guess we will leave you filled with elation and dread. If we've done our jobs right, and that's doubtful, we already <laughs> have. Indeed. All right. All right. Good night, everyone. Good night. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to H-O-A-R-D-E dot net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time.